You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 368th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in the city beautiful Orlando, Florida. Uh, this is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Holyoke, Massachusetts, beautiful Western Massachusetts, where, guys, I am just pining over my new Wout Van Art NFT that I purchased legally off eBay for only pennies on the dollar um, from what it actually sold for on the internet, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But, uh, you know, so if you know anybody who's looking for one, I'm going to probably hang on to this for a week or two and then try and flip it for, you know, 10x, I'd say. Um, I think that's what the tech bros are always talking about, 10xing things. Can you just send me that image, please? If you could just send it over to me, that'd be Yeah, like like in the chat here? Yeah, just so I can right-click and save to my desktop. Um, That'd be fantastic. Wait, hang on. (laughs) Yes? It's it's got a code. It's got a... It's got an... It's got an NF... It's got an NFT in it. So... (laughs) So... Impossible, okay. Right? This is this is this is definitely the highlight of the week, and I I think we we need to lead right off the bat with an email that we got regarding those Wout Van Art NFTs that we talked about all week, and we're going to talk about this in a second. We were leading the bidding. I just I we were, just, we were <laughs> out front, clear of the pack, yeah. looking yeah. over our shoulder, starting yeah. to zip up the jersey, starting to think about what. <laughs> What celebration uh-huh. we are going to throw down as we cross the line. And um, let's just say it didn't work out, guys. It no, didn't work no, out. Well, yeah, let's just cut to the chase. The, the NFTs, um, the one we were looking at, the Strada Bianchi, yeah. uh, went for 13,000 pounds, which in US is probably like $16,000. Yeah, just so a we were, bit outside the price range. Yeah, yeah. just a little outside. Um, Champs Elysees went for uh, twelve five, And then... Um, 14,000 for Vento or whatever. I might have them all mixed up, but roughly all of them went between 16 to $18,000. Um, I'll get to this listener email here in a second, but I just want to say that actually looking at the images that were in the NFTs, uh-huh. kind of lame. The yeah. art was lame. It was, <laughs> it was not like... Weird. I understand this idea that now you own something that no one else can because it's registered in the blockchain. And all of that. Sure, yeah. But it was a horrible image. Like, it's an image that, mm. you know... Yeah, because usually an NFT is like a cool monkey or something, right? Well, oh, most uh, of l- them, yeah. L- yeah. Little guy, we're over this making fun of NFC- NFTs. Are we? They're here to stay. No, they're so... But, but Tim, let's get into... Our art is let's get into the subjective, art. Tim. Yeah, like, it, just no, because it's art. not your cup of tea doesn't mean little guy uh, isn't all about it. It looks like art that was rejected from Art Crank. I mean, I hate it too, show but little guy probably loves okay. it. Is what I'm saying. I haven't actually. There's some. Down. There's some weirdo. <laughs> okay, so regarding those Wout Van Art 
NFTs. This uh-huh. email comes to us from Justin. I know you guys are apt to view the cycling world through the lens of a Marvel-style battle of Lycra-clad superheroes. You are also no stranger to the epic rivalry, real or contrived, between certain cyclocross road crossover superstars from Western Europe. Mm-hmm. In that vein, should Matthew Vanderpool have purchased the recently released Wout Van Aert victory oh. NFTs as an assertion of dominance? Yes. I think it would, it would add the right amount of chaotic energy to the pro peloton. P.S. Could you also have little guy explain cycling NFTs for us less yeah. enlightened, enlightened yeah, folks? Yeah, that's what you want. We need to, I, you know, I clearly, I don't have a clear idea of exactly what I bought off eBay, which is, I think, not the real, I'm starting to realize maybe not a legitimate source for this NFT um, mm-hmm. based on what they actually did sell for. So little guy, um, tell me what I should be looking out for here um, as far as, you know, legitimate official NFTs. Like what what are the telltale signs and, and how does the, you know, the technology work kind of under the hood, you know, from a high level? From a high level, yeah, that's, you know, it's hard to break it down for people like you, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. uh, basically a bunch of computers talking. I'd say if the person uh, facilitating your transaction is named Chad, you're good. Mm -hmm. It's probably real. It's probably legit. Um, (laughs) Okay. You know, otherwise, I I don't know what to tell you. You just got to believe, bro. So the so, um, the username on eBay was Potato Man four twenty six nine six nine. It didn't say Chad, but that's obviously that's not his real name. What do you think? Well, I Potato mean, Man names, is that is that Tom Scutes? Yeah, names are a lot different these days. I'm not sure. That's, a, uh, that's an interesting point. I had not made that connection. A little off season money. So, yeah, no big deal. Okay. Back to this email and this wonderful idea. No, it's a great idea. I sure hope to God it was Matthew Vanderpool yeah. that bought these NFTs. That would just that would be an all time move, right? Oh, what, for how sure. would he tell uh, Wout? Like, how would he let Wout know? You know how how would he? Oh, how would he? Not only do I own you, not only does he own <laughs> own you in the real world, he owns yeah. you in in the yeah, on the yeah. blockchain. Like that's the ultimate. Well, oh, I so mean, good. you just send a GIF, right? Like a screen capture of your desktop, like <laughs> with a watermark, downloading the <laughs> NFT or whatever you do, and then dragging it over to the trash can on your desktop and <laughs> dropping it in, and being like, "Whatever." That would be that would be pretty good. Yeah, it would be really good. Yes, I just think a watermark that said MVDP on it, so that anybody that looks mm-hmm. on the internet knows that Matthew Vanderpool owns Wout Van Art would be mm-hmm. the, I the mean, way to go. 13,000 euros or whatever. Like he probably leaves that in his back Jersey pocket when he's doing laundry. You know what I mean? That's like like an appearance fee at a cross race for him. Yeah. This is no big deal. This is nothing. Mm. I mean, I it's, it's way more money than this podcast has, but, uh, for Matthew Vanderpool shouldn't be a big deal. Uh, I feel like it's a missed opportunity for him. It's well, anyway, it was, it was a great email. One of the first times we've ever read an email in the first five minutes of the pod, but I will say (laughs) that the, uh, um, that was such a great idea that, uh, Matthew Vanderpool owns him oh, on the for blockchain sure. too. Yeah. So Matthew, um, you know, he's running out of ways to own Watt Van Aert, so he needs to get more creative. He needs he, this outside of the box thinking. Yeah. You can't do the same old, same old year after year, just beating him into a uh-huh. pulp on the uh-huh. cross course. It just gets boring. You know, there's something about it that just, I mean, I know it's NFTs. We won't go there, but. I was surprised they still went for 13000 I was thinking maybe, or sorry, $15,000 or whatever. I was thinking maybe some schmuck would come in and spend like $8,000. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> and that schmuck being us. <laughs> I mean, we were going to top out. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, we kinda we're going to have to we spread just, this across a few different credit cards is, is what we're yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe, maybe the, maybe the market will fall out. Um, I think that it's going to happen to Bitcoin at any moment here. And, well, and when it, when it happens, uh, maybe we can just pounce on it. Um, Here's pay the a little, thing. Spend a little Dogecoin and get get them back. Yeah, if the bottom falls out, we can pick these NFTs up for pennies on the dollar. And this is then we just hang out. It's like a long term investment. This is great. Yes. this is yeah. good thinking. Yeah. Genius, um, genius. So yeah, definitely TM this. Like put the write this down, Tim, and mail it to yourself or something because we can't have this info getting out. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, speaking of cyclocross. Um, let's get into the Coxida. Uh, and I was listening to is that a world friends Cup? of the, it is. Um, and I was listening to friends of the pod, uh, the media pit over uh-huh. at Cyclocross radio and uh-huh. gentlemen allow me to be the f- first to say that worst is best uh-huh. with Anne Marie worst taking first place in the Coxida race, yeah. mm-hmm. um, beating a uh, little guy's favorite. Denise Betsema oh, and Lucinda Brandon third and shout out to Clara Hans- Hansinger for uh, showing up to the, um, the Dutch party in 10th place. First non-Dutch rider one through nine were uh, Woof. the Dutch. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> Not surprised. They are pretty dominant right now. Yeah. Uh, super impressive. Um, but yeah, great to uh, see. And then the sand dunes on the men's side, um, we're all in favor of Eli Ezerbeet and Sweek, mm-hmm. who were a couple seconds ahead of Tune Arts in third. Hmm. And uh, shout out to Cameron Mason yeah. of Trinity Racing, Great Britain, with a solid 16th place. Um, Cameron Mason, he's been coming around uh, for a while. He's been having some great results this year. Mm-hmm. Is he the next Tom Pitcock, or is he the next Ian Field? Wowzers. Time we are will tell. pandering to the UK corner right now very heavily. It's almost as if we're trying to win back their affection. And <laughs> if we offend I'm not them, sure. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we've done something to upset our loyal listeners and our dedicated fan base over in the UK, where we are far more popular than in the US, which doesn't make any sense to me, but... I think I think according to G, we owe we owe some apologies. I don't think I owe any apology. I was gonna put that out there. I think that little guy may yeah. own uh, some apologies. Here's um, I'm confused. Why so. I owe apologies? Did I say that all <laughs> British people steal bikes or something? I think I just assumed that G was in the UK because that's where he's from. My my assumption wasn't based right. on the fact that I believe they have an elevated level of bicycle theft. It was just that. Do you think, think that they have bike that. theft in the UK? I'm Is that what you're... Oh, so you're apologizing because you assumed that he was in the UK and because of the bike theft, no. not because No, I'm saying I'm great... not apologizing because of that. <laughs> I'm saying I assumed he was in the oh. UK because he's from the UK and it's the off-season. Classic. And I thought he would classic be Classic little uh, guy spin. No. I'm, Interesting. I, I, yeah, I'm spinning it. I, you're right. He was in France. I should have known. The reason I didn't think he was from France is because I'd seen the picture of his bike being returned to him, and none of the police mm-hmm. officers were smoking in that picture. Yeah. So I assume no, they, were, they, were, they were British cops. Um, I have a Bobby's. question for you guys. If you know, Maybe the, the, some of our UK friends were upset with my, 
my saying that his bike had been nicked and that's why they assumed I was, oh. I was now my question is if a Brit is in another country and their bike is stolen is it still nicked or does it fall to whatever like the local way of way of expressing a, a stolen bike is oh so like well like so what you're saying like if I you know a lot of UK folks come to Orlando because they want to go to Disney World yeah um <laughs> And Obviously. and they're here and they're like, hey, where's your um, you know, where's your bags? And they're like, oh, it's in the boot. Um, and people are like look around like, wait, what? Is we don't have boots boot? here in Florida. Yeah, in another country? It, it's not. It's a trunk. It's a trunk. Um, so I think we just. <laughs> so therefore, little guy, to answer your question, okay. No, the bike would be stolen, or however you the parlance in the local um, community, it's <laughs> not being nicked. Okay. So anymore. that's that's where maybe people were mad at me. I I do not believe that all of Wales is bike thieves. Um, I I am there's bike thieves everywhere. I'm sure there's a <laughs> very just large one export yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the Welsh countryside. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good right. to know. Um, I I appreciate uh, that apology, little guy. Um, I and I hope that the rest of UK Corner does. But major shout outs <laughs> to um, you know. Cameron uh, 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 Mason for uh, getting a 16th place. Yeah. And that's super awesome. That um, uh, d- bodes, bodes well for the next World Cup, which I'm sure is tomorrow or the next day. Or <laughs> is, Has there yes. been a race that's not a World Cup yet, honestly? Yeah. Like, uh, yes. Every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday until April, there's a World Cup. Yeah, that's why, they say, that's why they, everyone always says on any given Sunday, right? That That's about World Cups, right? Yeah. I guess so. So, Spencer, the exasperation... That was uh-huh. in your voice about yeah. how many World Cups uh-huh. leads me to believe that you are in agreement with the Western Europeans that think the U.S. World Cups should not exist. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I will say that the U.S. World, World Cups did not matter in the end of the day because there's too many World Cups. Um, if there were a historically normal <laughs> amount of World Cups, I guess. Uh, we probably would have seen uh, some of the some of the the notable euros that sat it out sat out the U.S. trip uh, this time around. Uh, Lauren Sweet, <clears throat> um, you know, showing up and and having to throw down for those points if if the World Cup, uh, you know, standings were something they were going after. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm all for experimentation. You know, my love uh, of the Hammer series is well documented. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't know that this is uh, this is the way. So, should we be concerned that there's no Americans in this World Cup? I mean, you just mentioned uh, Claire Hansiker. No, in the men's side, apologies, oh. but no, no men traveling. Um, we did have five Mexican riders holding up for the North um, nice. American contingent, and one Canadian. Um, I. The, what uh, what's happened to French cyclocross guys? What's happened well, to Swiss cyclocross? Yeah. What's happened I mean, to all cyclocross <laughs> except for men in Belgium and women in the Netherlands? Yeah, yeah. This is, there isn't any. <laughs> I mean, the the question in France is: Gadre retired, Murray yeah. retired, and that was it. 
Pretty much. Right. Well, Venturini's coming back. Did you see that little guy? Is he? That's exciting news. Yeah. That is exciting news because he has those sort of bursts every few years where he sh- he shows up for a couple races and like dabbles around the top 10 and you think like maybe he's going to, and then for some reason he goes back to being an anonymous road racer and I don't understand yeah. the allure. Well, he's coming from AG2R. So obviously anonymous team, anonymous rider on the anonymous team. Uh, he, yeah, he said, he, oh, I don't know. BMCs. Um, he's doing a few. Uh, Marita. Yeah, he's doing a few of the World Cups because that's all that there is anymore. Um, and then if they go well, and he's selected, he said he would do the World Championships. So there's a couple big ifs in there, but um, I appreciate the gumption that like yeah, it's gonna go well, and you know if they select me, I'd go. Well, you know to, why not? To, Give it a shot. Kick no, the tires. I'm glad he's doing that. Is it- to your complaint about World Cups, I think you're sort of right for non-Belgian and Dutch riders that there aren't, because you basically got to get get paid to go do the other ones. And if and if the Super Prestige and the O2 or whatever aren't willing to give the French riders enough money to make it worth them driving up there, then there mm-hmm. is just World Cups for them because it's the only way they can actually financially make sense of it. You, you can, can make sound more like money. it's such a horrible drive. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh if, man, two hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, I don't know if you're aware. France is pretty big. Uh, we don't actually actually know where in France Venturini lives. He he could live, you know, right smack dab in the middle. But yeah, it's a bit of a the, drive. Okay, to, you to know the, what? The TGV the will get you there in moments' time. You know. Oh, you're gonna bring fifty. I mean, unless he lives wheels on the train, little guy. Unless he lives in an overseas dependency, I am willing to bet that the um, that the drive from Oh, what Andorra? That's like as far as possible from anything uh-huh. in France or no? Right down here, I, I found this time Barats. Okay, sure. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it the right way too. All the way from there to Coxida? I mean, we're, it can't be that far. I mean, How that far drive alone. I'm assuming you're Google at this us. moment. Yeah. Go, go, Google's telling is going to tell me. Yeah, yeah. It's an 11 hour drive. Oh, just it's an 11, 11 hour hours. drive. No biggie. Everybody loves that's not good bad. 11 hours. Not okay. bad. You are using your American mind to say that's not that's bad. True. And a European mind Wait. that is terrible. <laughs> that is yes, I've heard about this like idea. 11 hours is miserable. I also doubt that he lives south of the Bordeaux region. <laughs> um, okay. But whatever. If he's a cyclist well, I mean, in France, he lives in Monaco. That's just. Yeah. I think that's just how it is. Here's another thing, though, Tim. <laughs> this is his job. So, and all yeah. all year he has to travel around. This is the only time of the year he could actually maybe just be at home. So, if no one's gonna pay him to go do something, he's probably gonna. Monaco's say, only twelve hours. Yeah, he's gonna say, oh, you know man. what? I'll just stay in Monaco, uh, do a training ride, and hang out hang out with the wife later. You know, like he's he's not gonna go to the other side of the world. He's not a he's not an American masters racer who's willing to drive for 20 hours <laughs> and spend uh-huh. all uh-huh. his available free time and disposable income uh just to get 15th place at best at a world cup yeah. or a super prestige. Yeah, yeah that's so, like, a pretty easy train ride. I just got to say you could get this thing done pretty easily right. on the TGV. Well, maybe you Spencer's should right. maybe you should become like his manager. Start so oh. you can get him some get him the super prestige bookings guys, and like you know maybe we should branch okay. out into that because we obviously know our way around Europe pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I am <laughs> I am thinking this could be our way into generating enough revenue for this podcast uh-huh. yeah. to afford some wild fan art NFTs. <laughs> That's what it all comes back to. <laughs> what? Weird. What pro cyclist off the top of your head, and we'll, we'll workshop this off mic uh, after the show, but who do you think we could represent? Like, who do, who do you think we could coerce into uh, becoming agents for? Let me. Oh, I, Tom Skewens in a heartbeat. Yeah, because he listens to podcasts, so we've already got like a leg up. He already trusts us. He knows uh-huh. we're ex. He knows when we're serious uh-huh. and when we're not serious. Um, and we're serious all the time. Yeah, Tom's. Don't you want us to go into negotiations for you? I'm just trying to pull up the rankings so I can see who's real way at the. Uh, Scroll down to the bottom yeah, and just work your way up. It's that, not a bad strategy, really. It's I mean, amazingly we have become the agents for we have become the agents for all of Team Quebeca um, <laughs> <laughs> next hash. Uh, Ouch! Ouch! I'm thinking, you know, some some yeah, uh, um, David Rebeling, Andrea Taffy, Ma- these kind of guys. Ma- who just Man need a little Z- press. Man they need Sabo. a little bump. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could get some of them, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. You come in with the flashy pitch. Yeah. You you make a lot of big promises. You don't deliver. It's fine, but you get we get our agency uh, splashed across the, the... We get some ink across the cycling media. You know I mean, what I mean? If and we that's really want... get your foothold. That's a, that's a good way. The other way to get your foothold is to get sued for something. Oh. So, yeah. right? Like the best way of publicity is with someone. Could do that. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, man. I don't I know, know what we would get sued for. Now. Yeah. Um, We've been doing this podcast long enough. I think we should have been sued by now. But I'm sorry. 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 Well, who do you. No, I'm used to it. Um, so, <laughs> so, little guy, uh, looking at these rankings, like, like, who do you. Or do we go with. Is there any. Like, we have to get a foothold in a in a country, right? Like, I mean, that's mm. like right, like the the Icelandic team. Uh-huh. We're like, oh, you know, we'll get you to come race over in the U.S. and and make them think it's like the biggest thing. Tour of California, guaranteed start spots. Um, and yeah, I maybe think, that's the way to go. I think I found the lowest ranked guy in the world tour. It's Brandon Smith <laughs> Rivera, who was on Ineos okay. last okay. year, and I don't know where he's going. Is next? No, he is next. Well, if he's year. Well, sounds sounds like his current agent couldn't close the deal, and maybe yeah. he's in the market he, for no. somebody new. No, his current his his me his hopeful agent couldn't read right. He's got a contract for next year. Um, yeah, well, never shouldn't mind. we just he's, become agents for all of the out of contract riders? That's true. Isn't we that should, our way? We and, should be sliding because like they're across. the. Right. Theoretically, they don't have any agents anymore, right? Because they're, they're out of contract. And then we're just, we could just start acting is, like we're someone's agent. Now, here's the thing I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Like, we don't want to, like, okay. call up Tom's and be like, hey, you know, we want to be your agent. And he's going to be like, great, uh, show me your, w- what do you got or whatever. And then we're, we're just standing there, you know, with <laughs> we nothing. Need a deck. So we're going to need. We're going to need some taglines. We're going to need some pitches. Uh, I'm going to need your 30-second elevator pitch, uh, Tim. Like, So I need you to start working on this um, to really sell me on using your agency as, uh, as you know, to develop my cycling career, um, whether that's, you know, at its tail end or just getting started. Um, I'm working more on a TED Talk a TED about talk. what I'm going to do, about how I'm going to revolutionize cycling agents. Um, 
I mean, we've been doing content marketing basically for the last seven years, 360 however many episodes. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of Sundays. Out, yeah, a lot of free, you know, knowledge out into the world. Um, so we might have know, to put this behind a paywall. We don't want everyone to take our ideas. You guys, I got um, a little pandering for the Brits. Did you know uh, Pidcock's brother, Joseph Pidcock, is on the FDJ Continental team? I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. The, continental team that's impressive who's his agent uh you know i don't see his agent listed ah, wrong here. answer it probably... should be the slow ride podcast that's that's what you need to answer little guy you just <laughs> yeah. need the confidence it's okay true, so right. we need to so, workshop little some guy, things internally here i think jesse reentz sent me an a text message today from the minnesota state cross championships which we'll talk about it later mm-hmm but he told me that there was an AG2R rider there today. Sent me a picture, Peter Moore, who mm. used to race um, in the U.S., and now he is racing for the AG2R U23 team. What? That could, If you would have went to the state championships, you could have signed our first rider. The Minnesota yeah. State Cyclocross Championships? Yeah. Little guy wasn't is, there? I was not there. I can't there. believe he wasn't there. Doesn't make any That's, sense. Look, you've been at that race every year since 2003. Probably. Are you hanging it up? I'm pretty sure USA Cycling is about to renew your license at any moment now. <laughs> yes, they are. That would be the time they, to, to decide. They sent me the email that said, hey, that automatic thing's going through in a couple of weeks. Um, I think I'm going to cancel it. I think, I think I'm effectively hanging it up, though. Obviously, I've already been, it's been hung up pretty much already, <laughs> but um, so I only raced... Yeah kind of raced once this year twice this year yeah i didn't go so it was weird to not go it felt it felt strange all day to know that the race was going on but i have no business being at that race and it just didn't feel like the thing to do right well now. you know the way to connect yourself with that feeling and that community would be to you know start representing some of the riders who are there perhaps um you could mm-hmm. you know start there um and then start building out your clientele a little bit. Um, maybe a pitch, something like, hey, uh, do you dream of racing in Europe under the lights? <laughs> Ghent Six Day, Coxida. Oh, do these day. names, yeah. does Perry Roubaix, does, does the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when you, when you hear these? I can get you into the same country as these races. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe even into a field with teams that may be at some of these races. I can get you into a few kermesses, if you will. And if you... If you have a sleeping bag and don't mind (laughs) unsanitary conditions, we can get you a cycling career in Europe. Hey, We'll get you in on the floor level. Yarny Reese (laughs) lived in the campground for a while as as a a neo-pro. He he lived in a tent. Oh. Look at him now. We'd have to focus on like riders that are of a certain height that could fit within a, a Citron hatchback. Um. <laughs> I think this is the problem, though, is that suddenly all of our um, if if we go to a height rest- restriction, then yeah, we're the, cutting out entire countries. The Dutch is out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the Dutch are out. So um, I I think what you're starting to sound, Spencer, is that like it's almost like a a weird cycling human trafficking organization that we would be having if you had to put people into a Citron and then you have to sleep in a 
sleeping bag all the time. So it'd pretty much be like any well, amateur be... pro si- amateur cycling team that thinks that they're going to go pro. Sure. And then we can, we can pay them, you know, uh, in NFTs somehow. That'd be great. Well, well uh, actually we should negotiate a percentage of any future NFT sales. How about that? <laughs> I, I think we have what it takes guys. I, I don't even know why. I mean, we should probably stop talking about this now before someone else takes our ideas. Uh, to become psychic agents, but I'm pretty sure we can nail this. I feel like some other people already have. Like this is maybe how things have gone for a while. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so um, something else came across uh, the wire today, and I think it might. We we may have also gotten an email, but maybe not. If we did, I apologize. But did you guys see the slowest hour attempt? Oh yes, that yes. happened, and. It, because you remember getting this email from, I believe it was from Rob in the Faroe Islands, mm-hmm. and about how the whole gimmick was who can who can pedal their bike the least amount of distance mm-hmm. in an hour, and the record was just smashed. Apparently, there was a record for this, okay, and then it just happened again. Did you guys see it? No. Yes. What? How far did they go? How unfar did they go? It was David Formolo, and he went 918 meters. It was pretty impressive. Wait a second. And I've wh- heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. This yeah, guy was yeah, an yeah. actual bike racer. Yeah. No, that's what makes this thing so brilliant. So basically, he's on his race bike, his road bike, uh-huh. and he's not track standing. There's no track standing. And walking next to him is a gentleman. Obviously, he's going fast enough someone can walk with him. That was kind of constantly chalking the like where his front wheel was so you could see that the bike was moving because you have to stay in motion was the idea right like you can't you can't track stand you can't go backwards you gotta you gotta move okay 918 meters is either four laps of a 200 is you know shy of four laps of a velodrome okay and he was on a velodrome but kind of a 333 so he went around basically three times um, and so maybe you could have used that for the example instead of the four lap one. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I wanted to show my track bona fides because Olympic okay. tracks are, yeah, are 250 yeah, meters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, okay. Right. It was one of those, like, if you know, you know, mm-hmm. kind of things is what I was going there. Yeah. But what bugged me about this was how cycling news's headline was novelty slowest hour. And ah. I'm sorry. This may have been the coolest thing to come out of cycling in the past, uh, I don't know, three months, is that a legitimate pro tour rider, world tour rider, David Formolo, went out and did this for an hour. Yeah. Think of like his coach must be going bananas that for an hour he was on the bike and he messed up all of his levels, his oh, power yeah. wattages, everything. And he was out here going as slow as possible for an hour. I love every moment of this. You should look up. Um, some Instagram or yeah. Twitter uh, oh my videos God. of this. The carnage. He, like if he, he beat- if he, if he just uh, out of habit clicked on his Garmin or whatever, man, his FTP is just going to be in the toilet. <laughs> this, yeah. Oh. And, and the best part was he broke the record of Bruno Zanoui from 2019 who did 1019 meters. Okay. So he took a hundred meters off this thing. I, professional. I, here's the better question, though, guys. Okay. 
What do you think is more exciting to watch? If you had to go to a velodrome to watch, would you rather watch an hour record of someone going around really fast on a velodrome in the arrow position? Mm -hmm. Um, people yelling seconds at them, you know, like every lap giving them the final number (laughs) or would you rather pay money to go watch someone try to go the least amount of distance possible in an hour? Hmm. Oof. I think the least. I think I know. Yeah. I think I'm going to go least as well. Because there's a chance of a crash? Absolutely. I was just going to (laughs) say, the the reason for that is it's much higher likelihood of, of someone crashing, someone falling over from just moving too slow. Like, that's... I mean, the mental game that you have to play has to be just absolutely intense. The novelty race. Tim, I am with you. This headline does no justice to this event. Um, I don't know if I could do it. How far do you guys think you could go well, in an hour before you fell okay. off? So yeah. Gilberto Simone tried and okay. did it in 1,072 meters. Really? So it's an Italian thing. Huh? It's a legitimate. It's it is an Italian thing, <laughs> and I guess Maria Vittorio Spiretto set the record for the women's slowest um, hour record. I can't quite see how far she went hmm. or she didn't go, if you will. <laughs> but um, so it's an Italian thing. It's at a festival. I want to go to this festival, mm-hmm. the yeah. Festival del Ciclista Lento. And uh, my favorite part, though, is Simone did it, um, you know, and put together a non, a non-extraterrestrial effort. Yeah. Um, he must not have had those sweets uh, from his grandma before he did it. Otherwise, he would have been a little too too amped up, you know? Definitely. That's true. That's true. So, oh, good stuff, gentlemen. Um, I'm, I'm loving it. I hope you guys are. But I do think that uh, we should get to our man in the middle of the slowest hour record because of the, God, whatever I say here after comparing the hour record to the season of Michael Matthews is just not going to be good. I feel so bad for him <laughs> because he, just quick shout out, there was an article that came out in this past week about the team director saying that if it wasn't for the super teams and super talents, they would have had a great season. And that is so absolutely true. When you look at Michael Matthews season of just nonstop top fives Mm -hmm. in almost every, in so many races, but every race was just littered with amazing talent that can just show up and win anything at any moment. So um, yeah, that, that, that's a little unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But with that said, Let's get to Michael Matthews for this week's Prem Lap. What up? This is Tomas Koyinch, and you're listening to this low ride podcast. Gentlemen, once again, we are brought to you by our friends, our good friends over at Hammerhead. Now, I was told last week that I haven't really sold you on the hammerhead excitement because in the past you could get the sweet heart rate monitor. And I've talked about how easy it was to set up. And Mm -hmm. if you want, if you're like afraid to get out of the ecosystem that you exist in right now, be it whatever other brand are out there. And I understand that that may cause some people not to take the leap, Mm -hmm. but quite simply the leap can be had now because our friends at hammerhead 
are doing a trade-in program where you can get a rebate of up to $170 for your old cycling computer. That's a good deal. That is about as much as I paid for my cycling computer. So yeah. that is amazing. Um, I'm loving it because I have been using the Hammerhead Carew 2 um, for a few weeks now. And it, like, I don't have to think about it, which is amazing because I don't, let's face it, guys, I'm not riding as much as I used to. So hmm. everything's sort of new every time you get on the bike and you're like, oh, which, which lever shifts which way again? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, yeah. You know, like, I'm like Valverde. I've got the Campy, you know, ingrained in my brain. And now that I'm on the Shimano, the DI2s, like, I don't, I don't know what all the buttons do, but I don't have that problem. <laughs> Do you the, keep changing the screen on your computer because you're no. pushing the flight deck button? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't have that problem at all with the Hammerhead. It's great. It's It just works. It connects. It's wireless. It does its um, updates wirelessly. It's fantastic. Like, you don't have to... Then you to... get the email that they updated. That's right. the best part. And, and it... Yeah, and you don't have to download, you know, uh, computers I've had in the past. When you want, like I moved to a new area, I want to do a new ride, a new route. I haven't done I got to go search it out. I got to download it. I got to do all this stuff. I got to mess around. I got to upload it. I got to plug my computer into the laptop, whatever. None of that. Throw that all out the window. You don't have to do it. Seamless integrations, wireless everything. Super fantastic. Screens look great. You can set up different profiles on there, which I also think is really cool. So I got like, if you're on the trainer, just set it to trainer setting. Boom. You know, if you're using your power meter, use that setting. Boom. Like, you got a profile set for your bike with the power meter. You got a profile set for your mountain bike. You got a profile set. Like, you can just set them all up and it's super easy to switch between. It's great. It's I've fantastic. seen a couple of other ones in the wild um, here in Orlando. So, I, it's also cool because I get that head nod of like, oh, yeah, you got one too. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. I also like that the entire display reminds me of my cell phone, but I'm not looking like one of the folks that has like a cell phone mount, right? Like it's, it's a sleek looking computer with a great integrated, um, handlebar, uh, 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 mount. Yeah. And the best part is ditch your old computer, get to the new ecosystem. And the easiest way possible is to go to hammerhead.io and take advantage of their $170 rebate. Yeah. And the way you do that is to go to hammerhead dot or sorry, hammerhead.io slash trade up. Yep. So that's it. Hammerhead.io slash trade up. No code, no funny business. Just go there and take advantage of this amazing rebate to get your new computer and get out of the, you know. Yeah. Ditch the old, get with the get ditch the zero, get with the hero. Yeah. No, the crew two bicycling magazines, editor choice. For the last two years, best in tech, um, all that stuff. The offer won't last long. Uh, you know, we got to say that. It's, it's part of the small print. The offer won't last long. Hammerhead.io slash trade up. Don't wait. Send in your computer. Get up to $170 off your purchase. Get started today. Awesome. And we'd also like to thank our good friends at Grimper Brothers for their continued support with Two Sweet Coffee bl Blends, sorry. Hello, Cyclocross Friends is my new favorite because it's espresso, and I got the espresso machine up and running, gentlemen. Oh, oh God. Danger. The Danger. one thing the one thing I picked up during the pandemic was drinking coffee. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I need. Yep. The Perfect. neurologist is really happy I'm into the coffee beans now. Yeah. But let me tell you, 
I love it. And you can go to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to get your very own Grimper Brothers. And while you're there, head over to Wide Angle Podium and just check out the family of shows. Tons of great content. And if you love what you see, click the donate button and you can help us get the next NFT in cycling. Yeah. I imagine with that, Vanderpools is coming out soon. So we got to start we, saving. Yeah, <laughs> we got to beat Wout because he has to get second. And with that, let's get back to the show. I'm Kerry Werner, and you're listening to the Slow Rock Podcast. All right, guys, here we are back once again. It's that time for some listener email. If you'd like to get your email on the show, head over to your email. <laughs> Just whatever. Email us at the slow ride podcast at <laughs> gmail.com. Leaving that in. Where all emails are gratefully received. If you'd like us to read your email address, credit card numbers, phone number, or personal address on the show, yeah. just send them over to the slow ride you, podcast at gmail.com. And if you could include that little three-digit code on the back. Yeah, we're going to need that. that. That's important, people. Don't forget that. Tandem time again. Yes. Hi, all. So a couple weeks ago, I was looking for some stem bolts on the Richie site and discovered that they are (laughs) selling a tandem frame again. But before you put your names on the waiting list, they're sold out right now, of course. There was something at Sea Otter that I can't believe Tim missed. A Swiss company called Flyer selling E-Tandems. I didn't get a chance to test ride one, and the only tandem I see on their website looks kind of beach cruisery. But an e-bike shop owner I know told me that the Flyer had a more mountain bikey version at the show as well. Maybe worth exploring as Unbound gets closer. Hey. Happy Thanksgiving, Christine Ryan. Well, Christine, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks for emailing us. And as the expert of tandems, I will say that I did see that Richie is making them again Um, because I have been all over the Richie site because I'm following the advice that my, my illustrious cohorts have given me to get a Swiss cross, a Richie Swiss cross Mm. for my next cycle cross slash gravel bike. Best bike I've ever owned. Yeah. Cool bike. Not a cheap bike, though. Do you guys... Is there an e-bike category? Is it really your best... There is not. Okay. I. It's probably only a matter of time before yeah. Lifetime comes through and gets a... Um, it will definitely happen in my lifetime. Okay. In your lifetime, in your lifetime. Yeah. Hey. You can go to your Swiss... Hey, oh, I'll be here all week. Thank you. <laughs> so... The Swiss Cross is your favorite bike of all time, Spencer. I, I want to uh, touch on, dig into this. A little you bit. put a I, few extra words in that sentence that I don't think I said, but um, I will. I will clarify for you that it's the best bike. I, I should say the best cross bike that I've owned. Um, my favorite, most I'm enjoyable pretty, ride. I'm pretty sure you did not put that disclaimer in there when mm-hmm. you first talked about mm-hmm. little guy if you can go back and post and and <laughs> yeah, cut I'll, exactly what spencer I'll said work. right now best bike i've ever owned yep. and i'm pretty sure he didn't say it was his favorite cross bike that's, he ever that's owned. that's why i said i would clarify that's what that means um but yeah it, it is the best cross bike i've ever owned and i've owned for far too many for how poor my <laughs> cross career was 
Um, we're always looking at for least one or two sauce, a year. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what, what's gonna, what's gonna now, make it click? You know, there's gotta be the it, bike, man. It's gotta be the bike, right? Well, you know, when, when I started Bart Wellens was just crushing everyone on the Ridley's. So mm-hmm. I had two of those and they just didn't get me to the top step. And, you know, I tried a few other different things. We were sponsored, uh, you know, by another brand on the team. So I tried that one. That didn't work. And I just wasn't getting any faster. And, you know, so I spent more time on the Internet and more time researching <laughs> things. And, and you guys were out doing rides and stuff. But, I, like, I had to crack the code. Uh-huh. And I just uh-huh. never could do it. So I don't I don't really understand, you know, what I needed to do to get faster. Um, but um, the Richie got me the closest, I will say. So the... I know, a friend of the pod, Josh Bauer, has a Richie Swiss Cross. It's steel. They look good. They're sweet. I'm pretty stoked. You had a red one, which was fantastic, with a matching yeah. red seat post, I believe. Uh, the red Swiss Cross is beautiful. Yeah. Um, the, Ford, I, the, the 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 Canty version. Yeah. Um, they are they are different colors now, black and I white was, or gray or something, but um, still very cool. I had a a friend of mine, and he was talking about like you know making some some pledges that came out of like cop 26 and the whole like environmental impact of cycling and in all of this. Mm-hmm. And he had read the, the Trek sustainability report that Trek came out with, with basically the, the carbon impact of all of the manufacturing yeah, okay. and materials. about the, about the different materials, yeah. which I thought was a really cool. Cause no other brand has kind yeah. of done that it whole, really like cool. from the top to the bottom to see but it really got me into thinking that, like, A, I'm already ahead of the game because I have my titanium bike. And then mm. the steel and aluminum, because at least they they last a lot longer than the impact of, like, making a carbon bike. Yeah. Well, and the steel, you can you can get repaired. I mean, you can get some carbon repaired, but, the yeah, that initial and that's, footprint is so high with the carbon ones. I think that it, it actually, like, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit into the... I, I don't see myself buying a carbon bike moving forward. Oh, I don't either. I, you guys because, knew that, like, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, this is a yeah, huge yeah. breaking sure, news, yeah. I, I, well, I've had a carbon sure that, bike, though. I've that had, had nothing to do with... Bike. I have with, carbon forks. It's not like I don't have anything carbon, you know? But I yeah, can't I yeah. can't see myself ever... Well, I think a carbon for. fork I'll allow, because you kind of have to have a carbon fork at this point. Yeah, but I don't want to, though. I, I, I really... I really like my my road bikes had a carbon fork since what 2003 or whatever, you know. But I've always wanted uh-huh, to have the same one, the same one. But in my cross bike, but it's like I don't know. I whenever I see a custom bike with an off the shelf carbon fork, I just kind of think that was a cop out. Come on, you know, like. Well, that's why I got the. At least I got my Moots. I had it painted to match. Yeah. Because I don't like yeah. Mootses that have. I don't like Moots. I Moots that have um a black fork. Yeah. Mootsies. That's not. That's what I. That's what I. Now, I want. I want. I want a so matchy let's, fork, matchy matchy. But you know. I mean, I mean, we just touched on it. Like this. I. Let me ask you guys a question. Okay. This Trek report, right? It was mm-hmm. pretty in depth. I don't know if you guys saw it or, but yeah. I mean, it was like fifty pages long. It's cool. Do you? Do you think it will change, the the make? I mean, the world tour. It, like write all the cars that you have, uh, driving uh, behind the race. Like it can't be mm-hmm. the best up, um, but. Do you think it will change the makeup of the bikes? Do you think the bikes will stay carbon or do you think eventually they'll just kind of go to like a more sustainable steel or aluminum? Like what's the, I mean, how much weight difference are we talking about here? Well, it's a steel uh, pretty substantial chunk. I don't think it will change anything, especially if the weight weight limit ever goes away. Maybe the UCI should just impose a higher weight limit and then everyone can ride steel. 
you know? I mean, you guys are smarter at this than me. I guess I don't even know like what really what the big weight, I mean, are we talking two pounds if you're going to do a full steel build versus like a carbon build? Probably the weight limit. Probably more than that. Probably more. I think you could get pretty light with a steel build, but it you'd have to sacrifice some stiffness, probably. I mean, for, for the aluminum guys. wasn't the soup wasn't the legalized my Cannondale Cannondale they aluminum. Were, they were half carbon, half aluminum. That's why they're well, that's halfway there. You can get <laughs> you can get pretty light with aluminum. I don't I don't really feel like the weight. It's the it's the off the shelfness, right? Like if you want to get custom and go crazy, you can you can build anything super light with any of those materials. You're probably gonna still always be lighter with carbon, but the weight limit's high enough. You could most guys could probably ride a steel bike that's light enough, but it it's a matter yeah. of like something super custom and super um, yeah. specialized well, as opposed to just like grabbing grabbing bits off the shelf and building. 14 of them up, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be tough to get the roadies to embrace that kind of mentality, but in cross, it shouldn't be quite as difficult. Um, I mean, there are teams out there doing it, right? Like there, um, Ben Frederick, who stayed here at my house, uh, for NoHo is riding Richie's, you know, and, and finishing, you know, top five or whatever in, in UCI races, here and famously the Richard Sachs team is still riding uh cantilevers <laughs> and yes. steel bikes you know so um it can be done and you can still perform at a high level it's it's you know it's just not what's mass produced right so um you know kudos to those brands and those teams that are that are doing that but um yeah i mean uh i think i think the biggest reductions the biggest things that that trek and and other brands are doing and can do from a sustainability perspective is like the packaging like the stuff they're doing with the bike boxes and and the way that things are getting packed up and shipped across the world and to bike shops and everything is dramatically been improved um in in recent times um which is great to see you know um because everything is made overseas and shipped across oceans and everything. So um, the 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 environmental impact is not small. And uh, being part of the bike industry for a long time, you know, like most of the product managers and everybody involved in developing that stuff has taken multiple flights over to Asia and everything as well, which has always just been weird to me that like to make a bicycle that's like, oh, it's an environmentally friendly thing. Like, we do so much damage, like um, peripheral damage, uh, that uh, yeah, it's it's a strange phenomena. Yeah, yeah. It's the last phenomenal. great, the last great Cervelo from this email comes to us from Derek. Guys, with all the retro throwbacks in recent years, I'm thinking Alpecian with the retro jersey for this year and the AG2R Eddie Merckx frames from the 2020 Tour de France. Ooh. Is Yellow Lotto missing out on a prime opportunity for 2023? I'm thinking Cervelo should resurrect the 2003 Super Prestige from 20 years ago that Andrea Taffy, by the way, we know his new agent, mm-hmm. yeah. um, mm-hmm. rode during the 2003 Spring Classics. Teague welded steel underneath Wout during the classics could move a lot of Cervellos and maybe bring the brand out from underneath the dentist-only stigma. After all, weight isn't that important on one-day <laughs> stage races yeah. and have 
And how great would it be to have our favorite Belgian in today's Peloton win Strada Bianchi on a handmade frame? I've got an eBay alert set to alert me for when the original Super Prestige size 58 uh, drops in hopes I can add this unicorn to my collection before smart, word gets out. Smart man. After all, I can't afford to wait until the prices skyrocket into the mind-numbing stratosphere of a 1993 Klein Android Team Storm. Uh, Make steel win again, Derek. How topical Yeah. to what we were just talking about. Yeah. I found one, so I don't know if the Super Prestige, is he something different than the Prodigy? I remember the Prodigy. I thought it was the same, but they had different tube set versions. But I found one built up on weight weenies, you know, which is crazy people. Uh, yeah. You know, a size 51 of, of that frame. I don't know what carbon fork it's rocking, but not crazy stuff. Bunch of 6,800 6, Altegra and, a, and some lighty bits, but 17, point, 17 pounds, 10 ounces. Uh, right. Not a big All bike, right. but not bad, man. For for full full steel bike, it can be done. You can get crazy light. Oh, it would be it'd be wonderful. I love this idea, and many thanks uh, for Cervelo to bring it back. Cervelo should cut down on their environmental impact with some steel bikes that can be passed on for generation to generation. Well, yeah. What what I'm more excited about is is the jersey discussion. Like the the throwback jerseys that Alpecian did for the tour were absolutely incredible and i love that they got they fought it for and got the permission to use them uh yeah. for that mm-hmm. first stage but like it kind of reminds me of like the nba does the cd jerseys and they'll do like fun it's the best thing things. ever yeah yeah like can we get more fun in cycling and mm. and what should that be well so solid question first shout out to education first for the palace jersey right because yes. that could be their I think the city jersey from the NBA is the greatest thing the city that the NBA has done because it makes me want to buy a Timberwolves jersey every year because they had the Prince one that looked great. Uh-huh. And then the one this year is great because it's a throwback to the KG era. Now, I know people are going, this is a cycling podcast, not a basketball podcast. But what sets it apart different than the Alpecian where they had to beg the Tour de France to let yeah. them wear it for one stage is that in the NBA, they're allowed to wear that jersey, I think, like 15 times during the year. Like, they can choose whatever game they want to use that jersey, mm-hmm. but they get to wear it for, like, 15 times. So, usually, we'll do it around, like, a home game to get more people there that game. But that's the way that they could do it, right? Mm-hmm. That every team gets to bring one jersey to the party, but then they have a side piece that they can kind of slip in through the back door. And I think that that's, like, the exciting exciting well, part that could come through they do currently get i think it's it is one you get one pass to do something else every year it's just that often teams like lotto will sometimes ride with a different brand of of window sealant on their jersey just right. just <laughs> right. at one race in france for a day and it and they don't do anything fun with it it just rather than like lotto so, in a tube, right. it says I, I, lotto apply with a yeah. brush. And it's just like, okay, well, exactly. that wasn't fun. I feel um, like Jumbo showed up uh, where their jerseys didn't have yellow sleeves anymore. They had black sleeves. And it was like, oh, that's <laughs> super exciting, you know? Yeah. Like, wow. 
No, yeah, I, I guess Moby Star showed up to Strada Bianchi with the rainbow kit. Yeah, that was sure. cool. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. Yeah, but nothing around it. But I want more of that. that. Be a bigger deal. More times. Yes, they should wear that jersey ten times during the year. They should. Every team should get more chances to do this. And and I and it is crazy the UCI doesn't see the opportunity in that. I don't know what they're trying and you to do. Well, they're think... such a forward-thinking organization. I'm sure <laughs> they be able to come around. It's true. It's true. But, you know, if they could charge a fee for it, um, then they'll, they're, they're you know, they're going to change their tune real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they'll put the sticker on it. I would imagine cycling media would all be for it, you know, the cycling news of the world and whatever, um, because it's more column inches that they can write about something, you know, whatever, to get more clicks. Um, it's it's basically a win-win uh, for everybody, you know, the brand, whatever the sponsor is, is going to get more eyes on the, on the prize. And, um, yeah, this is a, this is a slam dunk to keep it, circle it full circle back to the basketball references, um, <laughs> for everyone. This 68 is a, this degrees. Is, this is a three pointer at the buzzer guys. Yep. <laughs> what basketball 68 degrees. Hello. Howie. Alany. Hazy, welcome from the northwest of England. Uh, uh. 68 degrees, 18 centigrade. That's full Schleck weather in these parts. Yeah. Note my carefully crafted nicknames in the UK style. Yours, Stony. I've been known that my all my real life. Um, shout out, Stony. Appreciate the email. Little guy. Alany. Alany. Yeah. I don't know if it's gonna stick, but yep, so Alany. good. I like it. Yeah, He's, I, I, he makes a strong point though, Tim. Um, you were talking about wearing knee warmers in the '60s, and I got to agree. I think it's more full schleck weather than it is knee warmer weather. Mm-hmm. Well, I that no, I that's why I dropped it down to 60 degrees. So now you got to be in the 50s to get the knee warmers, mm. right? Like 65 was just a little little ridiculous. Um, but I'm just thinking, man, what a terrible image it paints of a full schleck rider with knee warmers on. That's there's mm-hmm. just some, I didn't think you could do a full schleck wrong, but maybe you can. Do you guys remember that time Chris Froome had his uh, arm warmers off and he had his leg warmers on and cycling world lost their minds because he attacked with like, <laughs> <laughs> like, and he was off the front and it was like, that looks so bad. Um, but, you know, and that I don't well, remember that, you, but I'm not so, surprised at all. <laughs> I know we were talking about basketball earlier um, and Bill over at Cyclocross Radio had the wonderful idea that uh, – he would love to see cyclocross racers start bringing the one leg sleeve <laughs> that is popular in the NBA yeah. hmm. to cycling. Yeah. Um, or, you know, maybe just the one arm warmer, just kind of <laughs> really. Bill usually sleeve. has like two ideas that are okay and one that I hate. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is such a great idea. Can you imagine the collective mind loss that someone, like all, all of those Instagram meme accounts wouldn't know what to do with themselves if, if someone showed up with just one leg or arm armor? one leg warmer on rightfully so um yes fayetteville foam party imagine the tan lines that's all i have to say fayetteville foam party fellas for years we've all heard legend of the louisville foam party it lives on indefinitely to the point that those of us who weren't even there can still remember it vividly and tell our children about it (laughs) you could even say that attending that party had a higher hit rate for predicting future success than even finishing in 16th place all is to say, why haven't I heard anything about version 2.0, the Fayetteville foam party? It's time to start planning, boys. 
who's in? I've already booked an Airbnb that's way bigger than I need. If everyone's <laughs> willing to pitch in for the security deposit, I can host. See you in January. Oof. B. Gentlemen. That is, um, that is a sure surefire sign that uh, somebody was not at the phone party if they're willing to put the, the security deposit uh, on their account. Uh, for on their party. Airbnb? Yeah. Um, I, does, I mean, the real question here... I don't know if Fayetteville is big enough to host the foam party. I think yeah. it's going to be the Sound Pony over in Tulsa. It's a it's a quick couple well, hour like two hour drive, drive. eleven yeah. hour and drive, TGV yeah. ride. I've Maybe heard yeah, be there yeah, eleven hours is no, nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen, we got two more emails here that I'd like to get to. Um, the first one comes to us from Jeff Diefenbach, cycling NFTs, dear gentlemen of leisurely cycling. Here are the iconic cycling NFTs that I'd want to own from least to most desired. Okay. These aren't necessarily the specific images, videos, just representative. Number eight, Je Tom Dumoulin's roadside adventure. Oh, yeah. No image necessary. Classic. Yeah. Number seven, Ale Opi Omi. It's a big moment. I don't want that one. Uh, yeah, I don't want that one. I think that one's, yeah, I don't want to cry. Uh, Johnny Hoogerlin's barbed wire crash. Oof. I don't also know if I want that one either. Don't know if it's I want iconic. That. Uh. Don't know if I want that one. <laughs> Chris Froome runs Mount Ventoux. Yeah. yeah, I want. I want that one. Yeah, yeah, I'd, bid yeah on that, that. I'd bid on that one. Yeah, I definitely bid on that. The mudslide at 2019 Tour de France. I definitely want that one because that was the closest Nairo Quintana ever got to wearing the yellow jersey. <laughs> he was going to win it that day. Uh, he, uh, it, sure. Prove me wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Too bad a mudslide stopped stopped the inevitable from happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah it happens. Every Number time. three, this one's good. Number three, Stephen Christwick's snowbank crash. I would outbid both of you for that one. That's the Whatever only crash the that I think yeah. I want. That yeah. one, because the snowman. Sadly for that's where it the came. snowman. Yeah, but also it's it was the highlight. Like his absolute highlight of his career was going to be to win. He was going to be a Grand Tour winner, uh -huh. and then a snowbank came around the corner. <laughs> uh, it's too hard. Number two. Now you talk about it. Yeah, I, I'd Brown, big money for it. Number number two. Brad Soner's Tour de Quarantine. It was good at the start, but then it kind of got a little old. I I mean, it was good. It kind of got it kind of got us into it. It, the it quarantine. helped us through a trying time. Yeah, um, yes. And yeah. I, I very much appreciate Brad putting in the work for that. Yes, for sure. Um, don't know if I'm going to purchase that one. You guys, I'll That's let you I mean. guys. Bid it's a little on high. One, it's fight it out. I I I don't, Jeff. I, I know you're a, a wide angle podium <laughs> uh, subscriber and supporter. I appreciate it. I don't question your judgment. I, I don't know if that's better than <laughs> Stephen Kreiswick's uh, snowman crash. Um, yeah. Number one, Matthew Vanderpool getting his foot stuck in Wout Van Aert's wheel at, U at 2016 Crossworlds. Uh -huh. That's a uh -huh. good one. That's a real good one. I'd bid on that. I'd bid on that. I'd, I'd figure out what little guy's bid was on that and bid one higher, like Price is Right. Mm -hmm. that's good plan. <laughs> good plan. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Oh, it was a shout out. I mentioned earlier, it was Robert Glover who sent us the tweet about the uh, David Formolo uh, slowest ride okay. um, one hour record. Uh, and little guy, Kevin Dolan wants to know, uh, I thought I heard you mention that you're into canal boats. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have you, have you seen cruising the cut? 
on I, YouTube. I it's have. a real narrow, real narrow boat <laughs> vlog. That's a real dark hole. Are you going to go down that? I've been in there. Uh, thanks for the email. Yep. Went down that hole the other day. I've watched a couple videos, uh, forced my son to watch one with me. Uh, good stuff, man. Um, <laughs> so British. I, I've been to London before and I've seen the canal boats, little guy. And when I see the canal boat, I'm like, little guy could do that. Oh, that looks great. I, I, I definitely want to, uh, enjoy a canal boat, uh, vacation at some point or some, some point in my life. It looks right up my alley. So, um, yeah, it's a good YouTube channel. Check it out. It's really nerdy. You want comparisons between and different f- diesel engines and electric or hybrid power on a canal boat? I don't. Oh, yeah, I don't. So, so let's, maybe not for you. All right. So let's let's get to our last email. Winter cycling coming to us from friend of the pod, Leif Maitland. Dear Slow Ride, I've been listening for over a year now. Although you did your best to discourage me from listening by mm-hmm. deliberately mispronouncing every single name, <laughs> I've persevered and enjoy the information discussion and of course, most of all, the PC banter. I really hope I nailed his name, by the way. I'm sure I, you did. I've known a couple of different Leafs or Leifs in my day. Yeah. And I'm going with Leif here. Okay. All right. Do As just... the knee warm. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Logan. No, I didn't say Spencer cut you off, not me. <laughs> As the knee warmer debate came up on the most recent episode, it made me realize that I too share some with the other listeners that I've learned about winter cycling. I will, of course, be expressing this in traditional old guy cyclist syntax by stating my personal opinion mm-hmm. on what works for me as mm-hmm. if it is an incontrovertible <laughs> fact. Nailed it. I had a stroke. All right. The, the ease up on me. <laughs> but both, what, yeah. both the way you said it and what he said were both hilarious and they combined to make a perfect, a perfect moment there. I can't believe you just did that to I me, want, uh, life. I, really, I, I, really make my brain explode. I want an NFT of that. <laughs> One, knee warmers should never be worn, ever. It is either cold <laughs> enough to warrant leg warmers or tights yep. or warm enough for shorts. Knee warmer temperature does not exist. Here, here. I, I'm kind of in that two, boat, yeah. Two, the best two items of cycling clothing are bib tights and thermal bib shorts. In that order, when new, it's like engulfing your lower half in a fuzzy embrace every time you put them on. Enjoy it. I totally disagree with that. I think bib, like thermal bib shorts are ridiculous. Mm. I've never had a huh. brand new pair of suits. the thermal skin suits, which bib, are amazing. Like, yeah, bib tights are great. Bib shorts. Come on. Get bib knickers. You got to cover the knees. No. Number three, a trainer fan can be avoided by placing your trainer outdoors on a balcony or her other wind protected location. Mm -hmm. Without the wind, you don't need to dress that warm anyway. Especially if your balcony uh, is, you know, overlooks a sweeping vista of the side of France, (laughs) um, like most of the pros were doing. Uh, Who was that? Who was that that had the... Guessing. Guessing, which was spectacular. Yeah, Yeah. and he Uh, he did not shy away from showing it off, man. (laughs) That was, you know, we talk about the tour of quarantine and all these things that happened, but man, the, the trainer flexes that the pros were pulling at the early days of the pandemic was maybe the greatest thing that's happened in cycling in the last few years for sure. Yeah. I liked what I liked about that a lot is you got to see the guys who definitely 
were a little older, maybe had a family. So they lived in this weird training place, like Gaysink, but they obviously were like, we have to get a house. I have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I have to have yeah. like, mm-hmm. a decent place for to live. And then the guys who are way up in the sport, but live in teeny little apartments in Monaco where they just have a couch and a TV because all they do mm-hmm. is train and sleep. Mm-hmm. Poured concrete wall. Yeah, and it's and it's like, wow, that's a really small apartment, Tom Dumoulin. Kind of sad in there. I thought you were at the top of the sport, but you know, you're you know number whatever. Number four, the maximum length of a good winter ride is just before the bottles freeze. Yeah, this yeah, that's can be ex- this can be extended by adding a little liquor to drop the freezing point. Adding a lot of liquor creates other issues. Yes, it's yes. good. Good advice here. Number five, Vaseline your face if the windshield is minus 10 centigrade, of course. This is Tim's in, favorite thing. This yeah. is Tim's I am in Canada, so understand imperial measures, but Fahrenheit is stupid. This is a Scandinavian <laughs> ski trick, but it works wonders. What do you think, Tim? Uh, yeah. what, what about yeah. his, his temperature range? How are, how are you agreeing or disagreeing? Because you're the master of between the three of us of the, I, of the Vaseline. I'm a big fan of, as you guys know, I'm all about the Vaseline on the face. Yeah. This <laughs> is this is where it needs to be. It really cuts down on the wind burn. I use it when I go to the pond hockey tournament up in Minnesota every year. I mean, I if it's below, well, now that I'm in Florida, if it's below 10 degrees, I'm, I'm going to do it. You're still doing um, it down in Florida. But if it got below 10 degrees here, yes, I'd be I'd be out on the street prophesizing <laughs> to everybody put some vaseline on your face it will help you um okay but yeah they don't close the school thanks as always when it's 10 degrees. thanks as always for your weekly dose of whimsy analysis it gets me through many a slow hour on the bike Leif, pronounced life london Uh-oh. ontario canada <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Real curveball at the end of that one. Good work. Hey, little guy, I need you to go. Little um, guy, can you go ahead and fix that in, coast, in post, please? No way. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like how I just really just sold that one for the last uh, five minutes? Yeah. Um, all right, gentlemen. It's been one hell of an episode, as always. 368 Slow Ride Podcasts. We'd always like to thank our listeners and subscribers at the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head over to WideAnglePodium.com to find out how you can become a donor. We'd also like to thank those who send in emails at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. BK1 of Rhymesters Entertainment for the intro and outro music. And our returning sponsor, Hammerhead. Head to hammerhead.io slash tradeup to get a $170 rebate for turning in your old cycling computer for a brand new Hammerhead Karoo 2. Once again, that's hammerhead.io slash tradeup for your very own $170 rebate on the Hammerhead Karoo 2. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt, Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.
what an episode. That was amazing. When that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight. Oh man, that was great. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, Cyclocross friends, new friends and old friends and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host another show on the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. It's called Cyclocross Radio. And we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the media pit with my buddy Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to wideanglepodium.com Become a member there, then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it. Do it now. Cyclocross friends. <laughs>